Blog Talk Radio. The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Beckham Seacham down by the seaside. Beckham Seacham wins the Breeders' Crown. It's Rock and Ron, Mick Wicked on the inside. Mick Wicked to win the Jim York Memorial. Fear the Dragon fights on down by the seaside on the outside. Fear the Dragon down by the seaside. Down by the seaside. And Brian Sears gets up to do it. Keystone Velocity getting closer. Mel Mara looking for the line. Keystone Velocity. Keystone Velocity takes it at the very end. All bets off. Keystone Velocity. Keystone Velocity. And Dan Dubay to win the Potomac Pace. This guy's the Energizer Bunny. As they head for the wire, fire your guns. Here he comes. Foiled again. He keeps going and going and going and going and going. You're tuned in to the official. Podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing, post time with Mike and Mike, with co-hosts Mike Carter. And it's bus 936, and bus 936 on the wings of an angel. And Mike Bozich. Outside heaven rocks, but the clock's running out. Bella Buster Hanover wins the Commodore Ferry. Going and going. Touch that dial. It's another Thursday edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USTA and Bet America. Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, we're just two weeks away from the open changing uh, the race call of the year, which is going to be highlighted on this show today. Kind of kind of shapes are open for us as race callers. And uh, we're two weeks away from the uh, Post Time with Mike and Mike award show. Yeah, I can't wait, and today's a very, very cool show because we get to meet, not that we haven't had a lot of these people on the show before, but we're uh, going to get a chance to kind of delve into the careers of the uh, nominees for the 2018 Sam McKee Race Call of the Year. Jim Bavigli is going to be joining us, uh, and he's got two calls that have been nominated, and isn't it just a coincidence, Mike Carter, that the two calls that are nominated are both the Breeders' Crown and two horses that are up for pretty much down to <laughs> Horse of the Year, Mick Wicked and Sharkton. And plus, in the Horsewoman category, uh, you've got a lot of great uh, entrants in there, but uh, Casey Coleman and Joanne Looney King. I mean, isn't it cool that it co- – I, this could be a preview of what we can expect for the Horse of the Year voting if you want, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> Listen, we we're, we're going to make Jim nervous if we tell him that. So uh, you, I'll let you spill the beans on that one to him. But I'll tell you what, it's, uh, you know, watching the voting um, over the past couple of weeks uh, for these guys, it's, you know, how the voting has taken shape. We have gotten more votes this year than we have any other year um, 
uh, for the post time with Mike and Mike awards last year, we had just over 700 this year. We are almost at 1300. The goal uh, for this year is 1500 um, within the next, or excuse me, 1500 total within the next couple of weeks. I think we're about 300 away from that. And uh, for those who didn't see our press release yesterday, the awards uh, voting is actually going to uh, be extended one week. Um, we, uh, we realized next week with the U S harness riders association announcing their Dan patch award winners uh that uh the post time with mike and mike award show might get lost in that shuffle a little bit so uh we're going to extend things out one week and uh you know let everybody enjoy their christmas and uh when we come back from christmas break we're going to be ready to go yeah no question about it some great great categories and uh some great nominees mike i mean even uh we, we got a lot of nominees for a lot of the different categories we had to have our panel kind of break it down to where we get five six or seven depending on how the voting turned out uh, you know, entrance into the finals. But, you know, Mike, I got to tell you, first of all, congrats, because you're going to be doing the uh, announcing next week, right, for the uh, Ushra yeah. Awards? Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. Uh, we're, we're give, give that this. a little bit of a plug now. What time is that going to be, and where can we find that? That will be – it's next Wednesday and Thursday, beginning at 12 noon. Uh, you can find it on the U.S. Trotting uh, YouTube channel and the United States Harness Writers Facebook page. Um, it's something we've been working on uh, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I'm still uh, kind of preparing myself uh, for you know what's to come, trying to educate myself on some stats and things of that sort. And basically, we've, I've just made a list of everybody who I feel is a contender in each category, and uh, you know we're, I'm making sure that I know – everybody um on that list because obviously i won't find out the results um until the day of so it, it's uh it's been some production work but uh the guys here at the usta myself jason turner uh rich johnston all of us we've uh, been kind of teaming together to try to make this uh one of the best shows ever and uh, we're looking forward to it okay there is something that i wanted to talk about though before we get into today's show and i know we've got a a, a great show lined up for everybody today but uh, where is this thing now? It was on the Pollock report, and it was – good grief. It was on this thing for all – for like two days straight, and now you can't even find it. But what it had to do with – and I don't know if you had a chance to see this. And every time there is like an idea for a new wager or a new bet, it always uh, piques my interest. And I believe Santa Anita is going to try this. Are you aware yep. of what I'm – Okay. Yeah, this is the it's roulette, a roulette, the roulette kind of wager. wager, right? Yeah, it's yeah. A explain kind it of to wager. us. Uh, explain it. I, listen, I'm a mutuals guy, and I don't even understand it. Um, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. So, uh, what, what does that tell you? I, I, I better, uh, you know, you put me on the spot here. I better uh, pull it up. Well, here's what the gist of it. I tried. Good luck. If you go to the Pollock Report, it's already <laughs> down at the bottom. Um, but here's the gist of it, from what I understand. There's going to be horses, and you got to have a minimum of six horses in a race, and the horses are going to be pre-categorized into three colors, green, red, and black, okay? I think the favorite is going to always be in the green or the red, and uh, I think the – no, 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 the red. The green's going to consist because of the zero and double zero on the roulette table. The green's going to consist of the long shots, and I think the red's going to be kind of a mixture of the of the two, like you know, kind of mid price horses or whatever. And it, basically, it's going to be a paramutual pull. I think it's going to have a fifteen percent takeout, and you know, depending on the wagers, you know, I guess they'll have odds on the green, the red, and the black, and that's all you have to choose. And 
Bada boom, bada bang. There you go. I, I'd be interested to see what the odds will look like on these three wagers. I know that when we were at the Breeders' Cup, I saw head-to-head wagering, and you know, in a lot of cases, Mike, it wasn't worth. Um, it wasn't worth. Excuse me. It wasn't worth doing it one way or the other. But then again, it was a five-dollar minimum bet, and you could easily double your money depending on. So you you could get two to one odds or even money. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to kind of see how it plays out. You know, if I, if it's me, I'm going to throw five bucks on the green every every time. Well, yeah, and, and you know, if you remember, I don't know. You, this may be before your time, Mike, but way back when, when Hoosier Park used to race harness and thoroughbreds in the pre-slot days, they had an odd even wager where it's, it was basically it was, it was 50-50, and depending on paramutual, depending on the odds, you know, you can either wager on the odd numbers or you can wager on the even numbers. And, you know, sometimes it would be interesting because you'd have a horse, the favorite, the wins, and he pays like 220 and the odd would pay like $4, you know? Right. Well, we, we had that happen a couple of times um, on Breeder, you know, on Breeders' Cup, um, on Breeders' Cup Day because, um, like, uh, gosh, what, what was the name of the – the horse and the uh, turf came over from Europe. Um, golly, I can't think of her name, but she came over here and she was about one to five on the board. But in the head-to-head wagering, she was about even money, so it was worth playing. Yeah, right, right. So you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's. I don't know if our wagering menu is so much the issue. I mean, I guess. There's always room, I think, for another better too. But you know, I mean, for the most part, I think a lot of these weird kind of bets have failed. Yeah. I mean, for the, for the most part, I mean, the survivor, the survivor bet at the Meadowlands has done, done its job. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it creates, it creates a, a, a jackpot pools per se, creating a jackpot pool, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's something that I, you know, you have the chance to score 18, 19, $20,000, three times a week if you really try your best at it. So, you know, it, it's one of those things, wagers that allows you to make a pretty nice score and doesn't allow you to have to play into a jackpot bet where 75% of the money's taken out. Yeah. And, and you know, in a lot of times I think um, it depends on the track, you know, it really does like, you know, I mean, there's such a difference in, in my opinion, in the, in the betting pools. Like I'll give you a good example. Like at Hazel Park, okay, which we did a lot of our money live, okay? We did a really good live handle at Hazel Park. You could pretty much, with pinpoint accuracy, predict what the exacta and the, and the, and the uh, trifecta pulls are off of the wind pull, okay? And any huh. kind of different wager that you tried to bring in at Hazel Park would just – has no chance, no chance. We tried to pick four there. It was terrible. We tried to pick five there. It was terrible. Everything that you tried there was terrible. I mean it was but, – but, you know, but, the, but the win play show, exacta, trifecta, superfectas, it's what people – even pick threes didn't do very well there. Early you, double you know, did good. Late double was terrible. But real quick, I, to finish my point, here at Harris, okay, the wind pools fluctuate. I mean, sometimes, you know, like a race or two, it could be like really bad. And then the next race, it can have like seven or 8,000 more in it than what it did the last race. But here's the thing that I noticed about Harris, and maybe this is the same for the East Coast. I don't know. But the exactas and the tri pools are always very consistently good. 
Oh yeah. And it doesn't really reflect on what the wind pool is. Like honest to God, I've seen wind pools here that have been twenty five hundred, three thousand, and then the exact pool would still be like twelve, thirteen thousand, just like it what well, it is if the wind pool's like nine or ten thousand. You know, it's just I don't know huh. what it is, but Zacta and the trifecta pools here are very consistent. Well, that's you know that that that's a plus. I mean, you need pools that are consistently high. Um, obviously, you don't want them consistently low, but you know if you can get pools that are consistently on a regular basis, something that players want to play into, it's definitely sure. uh, definitely worth it. All right. Well, I guess we better get rolling. Huh? We better get this show on the road. We've, we're meeting the uh, 2018 Sam McKee Race Call of the Year nominees. Jim Baviglia is going to lead off. He's got two calls that have been nominated. Plus, we're going to talk to our band, Gabe Pruitt. Funny story about Gabe. Uh, I'll uh, touch on a little bit later. You probably saw it on Facebook. I think you did because you liked it. Ayers Ratliff will be joining us through the fine track announcer at Northfield. His battle of Lake Erie call uh, in 2018 with Bit of a Legend was a great one. Vance Cameron. Uh, our man from Red Shores will be joining us. Of course, he is the voice of the Gold Cup and Saucer. And uh, Ken Turpenning is also not – he's not going to join us because he was here last week when we were talking about the innovators. But he has got a call uh, <laughs> there as well for uh, for vote. Uh, it was race one of the night of champions at running aces. So Jim Bavigli is going to be joining us, and uh, we'll get to Jim and the other race callers coming up after this timeout. We've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Looking to bet on great racing from around the country and around the world? There's no better place than BetAmerica.com. But there's also no better time to join because right now we're offering a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Simply open a new account at BetAmerica, make your first deposit, and we'll add your bonus immediately. It's that easy. Sign up today at BetAmerica.com. Harness Horse Youth Foundation has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Check out the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Trying to get to him second. Don't tell me again. Uncorking on the outside. All that soft for Top of the stretch. McWicket is lonely on the lead. He's up by four on the outside. Don't tell me again. Cutting into the margin. But it's McWicket. Four years later, back at the top of the sport. McWicket dominates the pace by four. We're back on post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter. Of course, it's also brought to you by 
the United States Trotting Association, Mike Carter, live from the USDA studios. And right now we're joined by the voice of the Downs of Mohegan Sun, Pocono, Jim Baviglia. Jim, we just heard one of two calls that's been nominated for the race call of the year. And, of course, that was the Mick Wicked call. He's lonely on the lead. Ben knows this one and the Sharpen call by Hart. He's watched it so many times. I got to tell you, he really does. But, uh, Jim, how you doing, my friend? Great to be on the show. Uh, Mike, Mike, doing great. Thanks, Thanks so much for having me, Jim. All right, let's talk about, first of all, let's talk about the McWicked call. Now, I was in the booth with you the whole time for the Breeders' Crown, okay? And I, I think after that call, I slapped your hand so hard. I'm surprised you still have I'm surprised you can still shoot the basketball from three-point range. But uh, nonetheless, I know you didn't script, didn't script your calls. At least you didn't have anything written down when I was up there. Did you have anything in the back of your mind of what you were going to say if, an, if, if a horse like McWicked asserted himself? which he certainly did you know i actually i didn't i've done that in the past i did that actually in my very first breeder's crown uh with rock and roll heaven because i i just had a feeling but that that field was so competitive i I, you know i thought mcwicked was the one to beat but i just didn't foresee that kind of race where he would take over like he did and that's something I say occasionally. I'll say that, you know, the, the horse is lonely on the lead when, when he's well out. I did not expect that I was going to be saying it uh, in that open pace race where there were so many other top competitors. And so, yeah, that, that one did, it, it did take me by surprise a little bit. Jim, talk to us about, you know, kind of what goes into you setting up for a race or a race call like that. Obviously, you know, your overnight races and your stakes races are different, but do you treat them as one in the same or do you kind of, you know, approach them with different types of style? You know, I think I, I, I approach them with different kinds of style and that, you know, if I'm calling a, a 10 claimer, you know, I'm, I'm going to start at a certain level, which is a little bit lower than I'm going to start at a big stakes race like that. So they're different in that way. But the one thing that I do try to do that's uniform is I try to look at the race, try to look at all the competitors and, and, and just try to sketch it out in my head. Well, you know, what happens if this horse does this or what happens? And you can't possibly account for every contingent. But this way, if some storyline does develop, you you have an idea already of of what that might be like and and what might be appropriate to say. And so I'm not sure I had that storyline in mind, though, with McWicked, because like I said, you know, like everybody else, I was expecting kind of a showdown with with he and Lazarus, and Lazarus just wasn't himself that night. But then there were so many other good horses in that race that to see him just sweep by them like he did in those conditions – uh, it, it surprised me. So sometimes those are the best ones, the ones where you are kind of caught off guard. Visiting Mike? with Jim Baviglia, the voice at the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Now, Jim, let me ask you this. During the course of that particular race, I mean, obviously the attention was the big matchup between Lazarus and McWicked, who were pretty much going tit for tat throughout the course of the year, ever since Lazarus came here uh, from overseas. Were you kind of surprised? Now, I know Lazarus was on the lead. Did it really shock you? Did it surprise you? Uh, that Lazarus kind of backed up the way he did. Did you kind of have to change your game plan, change your call up a little bit when uh, that particular uh, event occurred? I did. I did, Mike, because, you know, if there was one thing that maybe I had – 
uh, anticipated and maybe I was thinking of things that I might say if they were going at it would be that showdown. You know, I really thought, well, you know, I really want to do this justice if those two horses do get into the stretch and they're battling it out. So, so it did surprise me, but I mean, that's harness racing. You know, you know it as well as I and Mike, you know, that, that it is just, you know, every race is different. Every race presents something unexpected. And, you know, for whatever reason, Lazarus just didn't have it that night. So you can't get thrown by that or else, you know, the worst thing you could do is get thrown by something and then be inaccurate. So that's the main thing I always try to do. And I'm sure you guys feel the same way is accuracy is number one. And then if you could adorn it after that, well, that's great. And, uh, you know, I've said this a million times, but if the race is great or if the performance is great, then the race call kind of falls along with it. You know, I I don't take any credit for, for, you know, being lucky enough to call those races where those two horses put on such, such spectacular performances. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it. It's that's the toughest one of the toughest things I think about being a race caller is, you know, when you get a big race like that, you kind of map out a couple of different scenarios about how it's going to go, and then if something happens to where it turns out completely different, you know, that's mm-hmm. you've got to make yeah. that adjustment on the fly. But Jim, let's let's go to your your uh, second race call that's up for nomination for the race call of the year. Now, this is the Sharton race. Now, this was a beauty, and I'll tell you what, she Gosh, I mean, she had to hold off so many challenges at different points of the mile of that race, but we're going to pick this up just beyond the three-quarter pole. Let's listen. Pure country coming up out wide. Top of the stretch. It's Sharton with a host of horses behind. Twinkle takes aim in the passing lane. Now Caviard Alley in full gear outside. Sharton start a feeling. Caviard Alley all out. Sharton digging deep. Sharton's going to dig in here and get the win here. Sharton tough on the front end. Then none shall pass for Tim Dietrich. <laughs> I have to say, Jim, that was my vote right there. Was that and, I, and, I, and for for transparency aspects? Yeah, yeah, me and Mike vote, but that was my vote, and I and I'll tell you why. The the excitement of Sharton and Caviar Alley coming down the stretch it did it a ton of justice. Um, you know, you 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 come to want to do races like that justice, uh, kind of like I did the other day with uh, Foiled Again. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things where as you're, they're coming down the stretch, you know, it's going to be a tight battle, uh, especially between two great horses like Sharton and Caviar Alley. I mean, you, you, your mind has to be so focused on what's going on coming down the stretch. It's just one of those crazy situations. Yeah, it really is. And that's what you you mentioned. It Focus is the key. And when you're focused, it all kinds of plays out for you. And, you know, when you've done it for so many times, it just kind of comes out. You can't think. If you're thinking about it, you're in big trouble because the once you think – something else has happened and, and you're behind. So it's just kind of, okay, this is what's happening. I'm reporting what's happening as it's going on. And then the none shall pass. That's one that I've used uh, for, for years. It's uh, from, I think Lord of the Rings. I think Gandalf kind of says it when he puts, he puts the staff down and for whatever reason, that phrase stuck in my head and I have fun with that sometime. And that was a race where it was appropriate because that's what Sharton was telling everybody, you know, you're coming at me, you know, I know you're going to come at me, but, I'm going to win this race. So, so, you know, great for your efforts, but, but I'm, I'm the winner here. So, so I, I think it was appropriate in that respect. Jim at the top of the stretch, and let's be completely honest at the top of the stretch, where did you think Sharton was going to finish? Because I, I kind of sensed from your call that you, 
had to you had to be prepared to give a couple of different horses calls there. I know you had to kind of prepare to give Caviar Alley the big call because she made the big move, and there were a couple other mm-hmm. horses coming. Where did you think Sharton was going to finish at the top of the stretch? I know I th- I thought she was going to be off the board. Yeah, I thought she was going to cave. I'll be real honest. And, and, you know, you can hear that in, in the call, and that's okay. I mean, that's that's something that, you know, the, you're right. You do have to set up the storyline. So if another horse, you know, if you're saying, oh, Sharton's going to win this thing and she caves, oh, then you look terrible. So so you do have to kind of set it up so that all the possible competitors are given their due. And then, you know, if she does hold on like she did, then you kind of are a bit surprised. And I think that works for the race call. You know, we're not robots up there. It's, you know, we're humans and we're just like the fans. The fans watching it were probably thinking the same thing. Oh, this horse is never going to hold on. And she did. And and that's what I felt. And so, you know, if you hear that in my race call, well, that's just, you know, that's just honesty, you know, that, that I was surprised. Um, I think some people sometimes think that we know, you know, oh, yeah, we can tell what's going <laughs> to happen but no it's 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 you know it's a surprise to us just like anybody and and again you know like when you get a race like that you know then i think it's as long as you don't screw it up uh it's going to sound like a good race call so again i you know i i i can't take too much credit for for being lucky enough uh to to be in the right place at the right time with those calls you know, Jim, it's one of those things where you, as the race goes on, you let your voice progressively get you know, more excited, mm-hmm. so to speak. Of course, we're all excited to call some of these big races like the Breeders' Crown. Um, I know I was mm-hmm. super excited to get to call Foil again this past Sunday, but it's one of those where you kind of mm-hmm. have to control yourself a little bit and kind of rein it in. Well, I'm a music guy, so this is something that I did right from the from the start. Uh, you guys, you know, you guys are probably familiar. I know Bozich's. Mike's a little younger. <laughs> Carter, he's, you know, you might not know this, but "Born to uh, Run" by Bruce Springsteen. This is my yeah. template because that song kind of builds and builds and builds, and then when he gets to that part at the end where the, there's a big crescendo and he says "Highways Jam," he comes busting out of there. That's something that I've always used for my race calls as something to kind of, uh, you know, be the template for these big races where you're kind of building to that and then kind of that explosion at the end when, when things kind of clear up and you know how it's going to finish. So, uh, you know, I, I, ha- I stole from the boss uh, in that respect uh, to, to help me out uh, when I was young because that's just a frame of reference that I have. You know, music, uh, you guys know, is a big thing for me. So, so I, I like to incorporate it in the race calls whenever I can. Jim, before we let you go, of course, this uh, the race call is named after Sam McKee. Sam uh, tragically mm. passing a couple of years ago. I mean, took from us way, way, way too young and uh, mm-hmm. way too soon. But uh, I know the first Breeders' Crown, I believe Sam was up there to, uh, you know, to, you guys traded race calls. And I know you were kind of under the weather that particular day, and you were telling me stories of how Sam was just say, hey, keep your head up. You can do this, this and that. What did it mean to you to have that interaction with Sam in the booth that day? You know, Mike, when when that first Breeders' Crown, you know, I was apprehensive because you guys know in this business there are some big egos. And then I thought to myself, boy, you know, I was it was only my second, third year calling races. I thought if I get somebody who's going to come in here and big time me, it's going to be a miserable night instead of an enjoyable night. And instead you get Sam, who was, you know, first of all, just superb as a race caller. I mean, impeccable. Never, never, never one mistake. It was just, he was, it was ridiculous how good he was. But then 
encouraging me. And, I, you know, as I told you, Mike, first time ever in my life I came down with laryngitis that night. And so I was thinking, oh, I'm not going to make it through this. And the whole night he just kept up with the pattern. He just kept – so the last race comes up, and it was rock and roll heaven, and I knew this was going to be a big race, and my voice was in tatters. And I said to Sam, I said, Sam, I said, you know, why don't you take this race? I can't do it justice. I'm just – and he looked me dead in the eye, and he said, no, this is yours. He said, call the race. And, and you know, he, he, he knew, you know, he's called a million races before, and it wouldn't have mattered one bit to him to call that race. But he knew for me it was a big deal. And, you know, I'll never forget that. And then I get, I got the chance to call the races again with him uh, a few years later. And, you know, you guys know. You met Sam. You were his best friend, it seemed like. So, to, to be included in this, again, I don't take any credit for, for these race calls. I, I just feel, you know, I thought Mike's call for Homicide Hunter would have been my vote because that was just perfect how he really set it up and, and really made that race about something that it was more it was more than just a race. It was about Pocono. It was about Pennsylvania racing, and I think you got that in Mike's call. But um, to be, you know, named, first of all, with such great track announcers, you know, to be in their, in their company is, is an honor. But then to be you know, up for uh, something named after Sam, well, that just blows me away. So I thank you guys. I thank whoever nominated me um, because it really, truly is an honor. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. All right, Jim, before we let you go, uh, well, a couple of real mm-hmm. quick questions. Uh, <laughs> did Radio, did Radiohead get in the Hall of Fame? Is that what you're – They did. All about? Okay. <laughs> All right, <laughs> they okay. did. Yeah, I had to. Uh, I had to tweet a year late, but but you know, better late than never. Now, now we you talk about bets. Let's start taking odds of whether they're going to show up for the ceremony or not. That'd be hey, hey, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, guys. Who, who, and Rich is sitting here looking at me. He's a music aficionado too. Who's Radiohead? <laughs> oh, oh boy, what are we going to do with this guy? What are we before Mike? We're going to have to have like uh, tutoring sessions where we, you know, where we school this guy on the legends of rock and roll. <laughs> you know, it right. was always one of them bands. I I don't know what I what I how I felt about Radiohead. I mean, you know, I mean, it, you know, I mean they they had the creep song and yeah, that was okay, but it got played to death. And uh, yeah. you know, and, and, and I mean, if you go into their albums, I mean, they're just some weird sound sounded <laughs> albums, you know, but different, definitely well, different. Well, I'm, a, I'm a weird, I'm a weird guy, Mike. So it, it works out well <laughs> for that. So that, that's it's, it's a good fit. <laughs> and real quick, and, and real quick, Jim, how's the book doing? Yes. Did you just release the book not too long ago? Uh, look, uh, we're, we're right at Christmas. Make a great Christmas gift. Yeah. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about how they can get it. Yeah, the, the name of the book is Playing Back the 80s, A Decade of Unstoppable Hits. I interviewed 65 artists from the 1980s, which is when I grew up. And um, uh, the book is available now anywhere you buy online books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Just Google me. Just Google the book. I'm really proud of it. Uh, it was really a labor of love. So I hope everybody gets a chance to check it out. All right, Jim Bavigli. Well, Jim, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Best of luck to you in the voting, and uh, best of luck to you. Uh, look, uh, looking forward, my friend. All right, Mike. Thanks so much, guys. All right, that was Jim Bavigli. Yeah, not only is he a track announcer, Mike, but he is really a music aficionado. And uh, I'm telling you, that, that's on my Christmas list. Francine, you've been asking what I want for Christmas. There you go, right there. I want that there you uh, go. the 80s book by Jim Bavigli. Go to Amazon today and get it. 
You can tell Moira Fanning is listening to our show because she just tweeted at us, "Who is Radiohead with big caps?" So uh, <laughs> you know, we'll have to tweet. I'm 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 tweeting back and saying Carter's obviously not a uh, music guy. I don't know who this Carter guy is, but boy, does he stink, man! Oh, man. Well, you you we, everybody knows that you're just you're you're drowning in country music. If it's not country right. music, you know. But I got to tell you, like I'm starting to take a liking to. Uh, some of this country music, uh, some of the newer country music, you know, I, there I you do go. Kind of like some of the older stuff, but like, you know, some of the newer stuff, you know, it's, it's not bad. It's really not bad. Spe- spe- speaking of race call of the year, we got a minute before Gabe comes on, right? Uh, you know, we got a second. Is he in, sitting in the studio yet? Oh yeah. Gabe's sitting there. So we got a minute before Gabe comes on. Cause I got a joke for Gabe when he comes on, but the race call of the year, if you ask me came on Sunday at Harris, Philadelphia, when uh, Mike and I come running up the stairs Running oh, through the elevator, running through great. the top floor of the beautiful. thing in Harrisville. Mm-hmm. Mike throws the headset and tries on the headset trying to call the race. He gets about three quarters of the way through the race. He steps away. I'm like, what is he doing? Oh, we that's, both that's catch our breath. <laughs> oh, that was that was yeah. We walk in and the gates uh, rolling right there after uh, yeah. charging up there. But uh, yeah, I should you know we should have just done the race from down there. That would have been the smartest thing to do. We were standing on the apron at Harris Philadelphia in zero minutes. <laughs> And there's like yeah, a three-minute drive. There, you know, we could make it upstairs. Oh yeah, we could make it up. Uh, we, we, oh, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we almost didn't live through it, but we made it. All right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, Gabe Pruitt of the On Deck Circle. His uh, call of the 2018 Allrage Open trots up for nomination for race call of the year. We'll talk to Gabe about that particular call. Plus, Vance Cameron airs Ratliff and much, much more. Don't go anywhere. You've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Attention all breeding funds. Did you know Pacing for the Cure has a stud fee for scooter program? Your stud fee donations will help those living with MS with severe mobility limitations obtain a scooter and be able to continue to enjoy their love of harness racing. Contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org if you'd like to make a donation. Mike? In case you haven't noticed, Mr. Bill G. has begun pacing for the cure for multiple sclerosis. Join in on the fun and weekly contest on Facebook to guess where he will place in each race. Like and share our page. Great prizes available for the lucky winners. Better yet, come out to the racetrack and watch him race live. Let's start a Mr. Bill G. fan club and start blogging on the journey page of the pacingforthecure.org website. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. 
Tips wide. The ball around Pinkman as they come into the final eighth of a mile. We'll take charges, given way. Guardian Angel Bus takes over. Four outside, Homicide Hunter is angling up late for Sears. Linda the Great shoots through late, but it's Homicide Hunter who sweeps past to the outside. Homicide Hunter trotting into the finish. It's Homicide Hunter who will hit the line. 148 and four, the fastest trotter ever. Homicide Hunter. Well, there it is, uh, Gabe Pruitt's call of the uh, 2018 Alaraj uh, Farms Open Trot, where uh, Homicide Hunter scored a 148-4 victory. And what a lot of people don't know about that day, Gabe, is the f- that you were sick as a dog. Not only were you sick, not only were you sick, and I'm going to click the mic on his. Not only was you were you sick, but you got me sick that weekend as well. So uh, you know, listen, we we were two for two that weekend. Yeah, great, great memories, Mike. Here I was, uh, you know, thinking about the good times during that week, and you, you brought me right back. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, it was uh, not not a great week in terms of health uh, for either one of us. And uh, as uh, a lot of people may or may not know, Mike actually stayed up in the booth with me for uh, for a lot of the Grand Circuit time uh, to do his USDA work because you were uh, you were hobbling around. What happened to you? I, 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 listen, Gabe pushed me on the stairs because I threatened to take the headset away, and so I uh, they put a boot on me. So. You know, that's right. Unbelievable. Yeah, you almost got the boot out of there. Let me tell you. But yeah, that's right. Because Carter, yeah, he uh, he had an accident at Shenandoah, and uh, you're as sick as a dog. So this was really truly a team effort. So you know, hey, Mike Carter, if you win this game, Mike Carter's going to get half the plaque. But 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 yes, he was. In in all seriousness, here's the thing. So it was actually kind of nice to have both of us up there because it gave gave a little bit of comfort because if for whatever reason he lost his voice, he had somebody to at least help with post parades, winter circles, all that jazz. And then it actually helped you out on um, Sunday of Futurity Day uh, to have another announcer kind of in the building because, you know, he got stuck in a meeting. And it was nice to be able to, you know, jump in and uh, help out with opening ceremonies and things of that sort. So it actually worked out for both of us. Gabe, it sounds like what Mike's saying is you couldn't have done it without him. You know what? Yeah. Actually, he is right. I hate to I hate to admit to that, but uh, everything he said is true uh, because he did help out with opening ceremonies uh, uh, there on uh, Futurity Day, and and I was like pounding cough drops and uh, water with honey in it, and uh, yeah, I was doing everything to try and keep my voice, but I wasn't quite confident. Uh, uh, particularly in the early mornings during that week, that, that that would be the case. But we got lucky. We got through it. And before I forget to ask, what race was this at Harris Philly that I need to go back and take a listen to this replay back uh, <laughs> this past weekend, by the way, because I have to listen to this race. I was in tears. It was probably the it. third or the fourth, something along those lines. Mike, what, help okay. me out here. Fourth or fifth, something along those lines. No, I, um, I, I think I, it was the fifth race. I can't remember. <laughs> Let me tell you something too And here's the funny thing about it The whole funny thing about it Carter didn't even tell you the funniest part The funniest part is I look back And he's got this whole thing on Facebook Live (laughs) You know, I'm going to tell you what Uh, If you would have started a GoFundMe If I would have passed out and started a GoFundMe I'd tell you what, the thing might have gotten up to 20 bucks You know, but uh no, but but listen, and, and Gabe, we we talked a lot during that weekend. Gabe and I actually had a lot of chance to kind of sit down and like talk about these races and things of that sort. And Gabe and I were feeding each other a lot. What a lot of people don't know is we were feeding each other world records as the day went on, so that we knew, okay, this race, the world record is X Y Z, you know, whatever it is. And I, I I don't think Gabe for a second either one of us thought coming down the stretch that we'd see one forty eight and four pop up. 
No, I really didn't. Uh, sometimes you get to anticipate these things. Uh, uh, for instance, uh, you know, the Allrage with uh, McWicket and Lazarus, uh, you know, I anticipated we may see the fastest mile ever. Uh, you know, they were down at, uh, at the half quicker than uh, the Mickey race. They were down at three quarters quicker than Mickey race. Um, so I, I was anticipating big things from that mile, which obviously were just two-fifths off. You know, this one uh, – not so much. Homicide Hunter just accelerated through the uh, stretch, and, uh, you know, he came home so so strong. And, um, you know, as you said, Mike, there's so many world records. You take a race like the All-Rise, uh, you need to know what the, uh, you know, the mile record is, the four-year-old record, the age record, uh, you know, the all-age record. I mean, there's so many different world records. It's not like you're, you're looking at one thing, uh, for instance, uh, you know, as you would say with like a two-year-old Philly Pacer or something. I mean, so there's a lot, uh, you know, you've got all those records, um, um you know, written down at the top, you're going over them. As Mike said, we would, we'd go over them uh, several times so that would be fresh in my mind, you know, at the beginning of, of any of these races during the Grand Circuit. Uh, luckily, this one was like uh, one I couldn't even mess up because we all, we all <laughs> are pretty well aware of the fact no one has tried it in 48 and 4. So it wasn't one of those races where uh, they hit the line and I had to, you know, suddenly in a panic look back down at my program and say, you know, wait a minute, is that a world record? This was, this was pretty clear cut. When once 48 and 4 came up, uh, uh, that was pretty exciting because uh, I didn't need to double-check anything. Visiting with Gabe Pruitt, voice of the Red Mile, also the voice of uh, Pompano, which is uh, currently going on uh, right now. But, Gabe, uh, you know, I have heard, and I've never – actually, I've never been to the Red Mile and certainly have never called it the Red Mile. Mike Carter has, and, of course, I know you have. <laughs> and uh, from what I've heard, it could be a pretty tough place to call a race. And when you have a race like this – and, you know, we were kind of talking to Jim about this before where, you know, you'd like to have something in the bank. I mean, if you get, you know, a, a, a chance to, you know, call a, a world record or, or to, to call a great horse, you obviously want to kind of have something in reserve, something to say. But, you know, I'll tell you what, it seems to me like, you know, at a place like the Red Mile, where they're fanning five or six across, you're just, you know, you're just so concentrating on concentrating on trying to pick horses up at that point that a lot of times kind of the, the fluff call could be thrown out the window. Is that kind of how you see it? Yeah, you know, it, it is tricky. It is tricky. And obviously our job as race callers uh, above and beyond all is to, is to be accurate. And, um, and, and, and you can uh, get yourself in trouble, uh, you know, there if, if you're not really uh, dialed in. Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, you, you know, if you'd like to know how tricky it is, you know, go back and listen to some of my first plays <laughs> when I first started calling there. And uh, that may give you a, uh, a good example as I was, uh, I was quick to get confused in those days. But, um yeah, it is a tricky spot compared to other places. Uh, your, your angle's not great, um, um, and, and the windows, uh, you, you know, you have to, have to lean out a little bit to, uh, to get any type of sight line turning for home. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, listen, Gabe had uh, had another thing in his way on uh, those three days. He had a guy with a camera standing in front of him too. So, you know, uh, it's just you, you know, too just, bad. Uh, the, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Listen, in that boot, I was trying to figure out how far to squat before I could come back up, and trying to get back up, as Rich saw in some of my camera work, was not always the easiest uh, for me. But uh, listen, we got plans for next year. But uh, you know, when, when you shape those kind of race calls, Gabe, obviously, you know you the stakes races and the overnight races, kind of like we talked with Jim, you know, they're, they're, they're the same race, but they're not really, um, you know, obviously the stakes, you know, there, there's a lot more anticipation, a lot more buildup. Do you prepare any differently for those, uh, races or do you just kind of take them one race at a time? Like you do the overnights? 
Well, you know, I think on the stakes, I mean, believe me, we have some fun uh, in the overnights at uh, maybe a Pompano or even, even the Red Mile there in the early meets, uh, you know, and uh, are subject to uh, to have a little more fun, per se. I think the stakes races are obviously, uh, they're a big deal for the owners, breeders. Uh, so I think you're, you're, you're A, in, in pretty much serious mode. And, and yeah, you, you're wanting to see, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of times we're witnessing history, particularly at the Red Mile. My goodness, how many world records did we break this year? So, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you want to you want to be dialed in on all all of your records, and um, you know that time of year, you know uh, potential divisional honors are, are usually up. So uh, yeah, I think it is just a matter of uh, of preparation. And for me, as you guys well know, a lot of times we get in these overnight meets, and you are seeing the same horses, uh, you know, on a somewhat regular basis. For instance, at Pompano, uh, you know, if I needed to, I could uh, take all of about forty five seconds, I think, to prepare for a race uh, because I see these same horses week in and week out. And uh, you pretty much get to know them. You get to know the equipment they wear, you know, who's typically driving them, their racing style, I mean, on, on, on. You know, these grand circuit uh, horses, even though I've obviously been following the racing all, all season, you know, it's it's my first look at a, at a lot in, in person. So you don't really know. You're not as comfortable uh, with, with the horses and, um, you know, uh, obviously the uh, – the connections and things. So, yeah, I think there's a lot, lot more for, for me in those type of events, uh, you know, you get dialed in uh, and, and there's a lot more preparation to it. Gabe, uh, a couple more things before we let you go. Obviously, Sam McKee was the former race caller for the, uh, the grand circuit meet at the red mile. And, and, uh, you know, you had a really good friendship with Sam, one of the guys that you looked up to coming up into this business. And this is who the race calls named after. Tell us, uh, and I know we've you know talked about this time and time again, but now that you've had a chance to reflect, tell us about some of the interactions that you've had with Sam on a personal and a professional level. Well, you know, guys, it's it's an honor to be, like I say, nominated for the award that's that's named it in uh, you know after Sam, and and Sam has done you know so much for me personally. I know I've said that so many times before, but uh, you know he really, for whatever reason, uh, you know took a uh, took an interest in me from from uh from when we very shortly after we first met um you know i was calling the early meet at the red mile like i said i had never called a fair qualifier or anything you know you know and sam would call me uh you know on the line there in the announcer's booth and then you know give me some you know confidence boosters and you know hey have you tried this tried it? you know just different things and i mean uh so great i was fortunate to get the opportunity to work with them uh there at um uh, during the Grand Circuit, just doing some color and, you know, interviews and, and commentary and things. And, you know, it's so, so great to work with and, and really um, just just so many things professionally. But, you know, to, to this day, um, you know, I'd never taken a job, uh, you know, up until the last, you know, year or so that, that I hadn't conferred with him. On, you know, so like I would literally, you know, I went to Buffalo for two years. You know, he, he encouraged me to do that, uh, said, you know, I really need to get out there and and, uh, you know, try to see if I wanted to call races as, as, as maybe a career. And obviously, said, you know, you're at the Red Mile where you call, you know, 14 days a year and you love it and it's great, <laughs> you know, but it's it's not really uh, – you really need to get out there for, for a meet that's, that's long-term and, and kind of get into the grind of a race meet and see if it's something you like to do. He said, you know, it does turn into a little bit more of a job. You know, when I took the job at, um, at Pompano – uh, for instance, they were recruiting Sam to come down as their announcer. That's uh, maybe a little-known story, but yeah, they wanted Sam to come down and, and be the announcer of Pompano. This is going back to 2013, and uh, uh, there was a, the transition time there at the Meadowlands, and you know, I think he did seriously consider it. But there were a lot of unknowns uh, at, at Florida, and when he had ultimately, maybe at the 23rd hour, decided that uh, you know he just didn't want to make that move at that point, uh, you know, he recommended me for the job. So I mean, that that's how I'm in Florida, you know, and. Uh, 
just just so many things he's done, you know, and, and um, we, we miss him. You know, we really, really miss him. Listen, I heard uh, after after last night, I heard you lost your job at uh, Pompano Park to uh, to the man, uh, <laughs> the man of the hour, uh, Mister uh, Mister Pete Aiello. Yeah, you know, Pete was in the house last night. Uh, you know, he was in rare form. Uh, it was great. Uh, he had some he had some great lines, so it was always great to have Pete. And he did me a favor actually, because we all know our good friend John Barry is. Uh, He's been under the weather. He was hospitalized for uh, three or four days. He's got some kidney issues, so uh, we're all rooting on JB to uh, to get better soon. I did speak with him there late yesterday afternoon. He seems to be doing a little bit better. He's probably going to be out tonight, but hopefully he's going to be back uh, starting next week. So we've had a little bit of a hodgepodge of, of guests, and it's been a, you know it's been fun to uh, to mix it up. But uh, you know we're we're rooting for JB and uh, and I'm ready for him to get uh, to get well and get back. All right. Well, listen, right. Gabe, we certainly appreciate you joining us. And I do have to tell you that, uh, you know, Benjamin, of course, TVG is one of his favorite channels, right? And, and of course, this is my six-year-old son <laughs> we're talking about. And he was very quick to point out that, that hey, that's not Gabe. That's that's uh, So basically pretty much everybody at uh, Cecil Manor Elementary School today is going to know, Gabe, that you did not call the fourth place last night. Of Pompano, just so you know. I love it. I love it. I do have to ask one other question, guys, before I go. See, I nominated a race call, uh, you know, for race call of the year, and it, it didn't get any love. There was a, and it was at Pompano, in fact, but it just wasn't my call. We had a guest. I don't want to, you know. Uh, you know, mention who it was or anything, but there was like a scratched horse got most of the love in this race. Oh boy, here call we go. In many, in many, many calls during the race, uh, that the scratched horse was on the lead and whatnot, and you know, it, it didn't get any love. My my nomination. Oh, we won't talk about that race, okay? <laughs> uh, we won't to, talk uh, about that. I have that to break Carter up before I leave. I can't help myself. Well, listen, All right. you know, listen when the Dodge when the Dodgers have, have, series I, come back and talk to me. <laughs> I have greatly over-exaggerated the, uh, the thing, by the way. One time in a race, I did let him call, and he has done phenomenal jobs every time I've let him call anywhere. But uh, he did uh, he did happen to give a scratch horse, so I had to believe one call, and uh, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. So I've, I've not let him forget it, unfortunately. All right. Well, listen, Gabe, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. Best of luck to you in the voting, and uh, we'll be listening to you down at the pump, my friend. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Great being on. Appreciate it. All right. That was Gabe Pruitt, and uh, – you know, Gabe, regular contributor to the show. I mean, honestly, if you had a scorebook, Mike, of who's been on this show the most, probably Gabe would be leading the way, wouldn't he? Oh, for sure. Him and Darren Gagne are neck and neck uh, for the lead in that category. Right. Well, you know, Darren's got to say, well, Gabe had a segment, too, uh, a couple of years back with Pompano. But oh, yeah. uh, nonetheless, it's always good to have Gabe Pruitt on. And a great, great call. And like we said, you know, the Red Mile could be a, a very, very tough place to call at, especially, Mike, when you had to call there that day for Gabe. And it was uh, it was a sloppy track. But you really did very little, yeah. very little, if anything, to fall back on when it comes to uh, locating horses and identifying horses there. Yeah, it, it's definitely different, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, you know, calling it the Red Mile, it's a lot of fun, but uh, the sight lines are not, uh, as Gabe said, not the best. But uh, listen, cue up the breaking news, uh, will you? Okay, let's see. Here we are. All right, Mike. Uh... Standardbred Canada is reporting that the first female pacer to win divisional honors at age two, three, and four, pure country, uh, has been retired and will uh, stand her start her second career as a broodmare in 2019. So, 
Pure Country uh, set to retire uh, following uh, following her season this year. All right. And another interesting thing, Mike, and we're going to talk about our friends at Winback Farm here in a minute, but how about Courtly Choice coming back for 2019? That was a big one. Oh, that, yeah. Will that be interesting to see him go up against the likes of uh, Mick Wicked and, and Filibuster Hanover and uh, some of the good ones uh, that'll be out there at Forum Beyond? That'll be very interesting, Mike. I can't wait to see them two clash. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch those guys race against each other. And Courtley Choice had a phenomenal season uh, for trainer Blake McIntosh. It'll be nice to see him come back at four and, uh, you know, take on some of the upper echelon of horses and uh, see how good he really is. We do want everybody, Mike, to go ahead and check out uh, the Winback Farm website, winbackfarm.com. They are welcoming three new stallions coming up in 2019. Boston Red Rocks is going to be new to New York. Uh, we talk about a great race call, Mike. How about that Ken Middleton call uh, a couple of years back in that uh, Breeders' Crown for Boston Red Rocks? What was it over the Green Monster, wasn't it? Was that over the, the Green Monster? Oh yeah, over oh, the Green Monster. What a, what a great, what a great call that was. But anyway, uh, Boston Red Rocks. Uh, 2015 Dan Patch Award winner for two-year-olds. He'll be uh, new on the Stallions list in 2019. We'll be standing at Winback Farm of New York. New to Pennsylvania, Mike. How about Heston Blue Chip, winner of the Dan Patch Award for a three-year-old Cold Pace, is also a Breeders' Crown champion and uh, is the sire of the second richest filly uh, Pacer, one of my favorite horses uh, that competed in 2018, Zero Tolerance. I had a chance to see her here at Harris, Philadelphia a couple of times. Boy, I'll tell you what, she's can't wait to see what she uh, turns out into her uh, three-year-old season. And my MVP, new to Ontario, uh, he is uh, a proven st- uh, sire of stakes winners, including Wolfgang, who is a tremendous two-year-old as well. So for more information, visit winbackfarm.com. Still a lot to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Vance Cameron will be joining us towards the bottom of the hour. Vance is the voice of uh, Charlottetown, is the voice of the Gold Cup and Saucer. And, uh, Mike, listen, I never am one to put announcers above the race never 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 but i i will have to with that being said i will have to say this there are two announcers that i think when they retire the races will take a hit that is roger houston at the little brown jug because when you think little brown jug you think roger and when you think gold cup and saucer mike you think fans oh yeah i mean those are just two races that as great as the announcer crop is, I just cannot imagine another voice doing it. No, that, that's for sure. You, those are two names that are synonymous with uh, harness racing. And, uh, you know, I see I'm using a big word, and I'm actually using it the right way this time around. I promise I won't use the word stigma with Vance Campbell oh. again this, this time around. Boy, Melissa Jeez, lets you have it. Oh, Melissa. Yeah, oh, man. I, never the end of it. I know she's listening right now. She'll, I never oh. hear the end of that. That's for sure. Oh, boy. Well, listen, I, you, Melissa, give it to him. Don't let him off the hook. If he says something out of line, give it to him. And don't be afraid to – but put it right on the air. To put it right on Twitter. Don't be sending no messages. We listen. We gotta we gotta hold Carter accountable for his uh, use uh, of the, uh, yeah. the English language. Plus, Airs uh, um, Ratliff's going to be joining us here in just a minute, Mike. I know Airs had uh, some stuff he had to get done, so he's going to be along here in just a few minutes. And what a great race caller that he has turned out to be over at Northfield Park. The Battle of Lake Erie, Mike. You've 
uh, worked at Northfield for a couple of years there. You're very familiar with uh, all that goes on at the Battle of Lake Erie Day. And uh, what a what a great race for the older horses that is. And we're going to be joined by Ayers here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to take a time out, and the show will continue along. We're meeting the 2018 Race Call of the Year Award nominees on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. the final turn and it's Rock and Ron who is the leader. Bit of a legend is bearing down on the outside. Right there is Missile J. Three wide all bets off there at the top of the stretch. Rock and Ron turns first in the Battle of Lake Erie on the outside. Bit of a legend. Rock and Ron. Bit of a legend on the outside. Bit of a legend. This year's battle champion 149 and 4. Well, there it is, the Battle of Lake Erie from 2018. Joining us now, track announcer Ayers Ratliff, live from Northfield Park. And Ayers, you know, like Mike said before the commercial break, you know, Northfield has a set number of stakes uh, throughout the year, the Battle of Lake Erie, the Carl Mills team. But the battle seems to be the one that kind of is the upper echelon almost of, uh, of, of Northfield Park history. You know, it uh, definitely has a long history here. It, it's not the one with our biggest purse. That's the Carl Milstein Memorial. But, you know, I grew up in this part of the state, and I grew up looking forward to the Battle of Lake Erie every year and still look forward to it in my adult life. Now, we talked to a couple of other announcers, uh, Jim Bavigli and Gabe Pruitt. And, you know, obviously, you know, I've called it Northfield. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of fun with the overnight races. But do you prepare any differently for the stakes races? Or is it one of those where you just kind of, you know, you got to have your rhythm and do your own thing? You know, the way that my job is set up here at Northfield Park is I also do a lot of our press release work and um, media work as well. So once that I've written – stories and uh, stories after the draw and written a caption on each horse for the program and that kind of stuff that that's actually got me very well prepared for the large races i kind of know the horses inside and out and um you know don't need to do any further preparing as far as the announcing side because i do so much on the other side um of the of or do wear enough hats here at northfield that i just I don't have to step up and do any extra preparing because that, that's got me prepared for me. Visiting with Ayers Ratliff and uh, Mike Bozich here. And uh, Ayers, yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, you know, you wear a couple of different hats and, you know, you do kind of some of the stuff for the program. And, and even if you do the morning line or things of that sort, it really does kind of prepare you for the horses that are out there that particular day. But let's let's take it to the big races, the Battle of Lake Erie, the Carl Milstein, a lot of the uh, big Ohio sire stakes, which have just gotten huge with the uh, – the uh, advantation of slots now uh, in the state of Ohio. D, you know, and I know you're so busy with a lot of the other duties that you do at Northfield Park. D, do you still get nervous for some of those big races, or is it just business as usual? You know, I do, and I shouldn't even admit it, but 
I still do before, you know, when they're going, you know, pretty much in between the the post parade of the gate, um, you know, you do, and you still get butterflies in your stomach and, um, you know, kind of get some, get kind of get some jitters. Now, once they're be, behind the gate, you don't really think about it and you just kind of step up and do the best that you can do. But, you know, there is that, that time for me, again, in between the post parade and the start of the race, that you, you still, you know, you still get your, you know, adrenaline pumping and your nerves are going. Now, Ayers, you've called um, a, a good amount of races at Northfield Park. In fact, you've called a good amount of races uh, just about anywhere. Is there a race or a stakes race at Northfield that kind of, you know, jumps out at you as probably being one of your uh, one of your favorite races that you've ever called? You know, I. I don't know. I get some favorite horses that I like to call. Um, I don't know that I have favorite races. And, you know, some of mine that, you know, I've called throughout the years or, you know, that I really liked are probably not even racing anymore. Um, And, you know, but no, I mean, I don't have any, uh, you know, that particular race that really steps up that I, is you know, my favorite race that I've called now. Yeah, you you kind of like me. It's it's kind of like the last call I can get through. That's kind of like my <laughs> favorite race. But airs uh, now, you know, the announcer, the, the the job of an announcer can be very tricky. I mean, and and it's different depending on who you ask because there's no real perfect science to it. I mean, you know, a lot of announcers, you know, they like to bring, they like to create the drama, they like to be exciting. You know, a lot of the announcers, uh, you know, concentrate on accuracy, try to put that first and foremost, try to give as much information as they can to the better. But, uh, you know, something happened last night, and this is, you know, announcers obviously hate hate this with a passion. It still jars me and rattles me every time I see one. Thank God I haven't really haven't had to see a whole lot of it in my career, but spills. And, and we had one yesterday. Uh, thank goodness Luke Eversall is going to be okay. Um, but, right. you know, how do you – how what's your philosophy of handling that as an announcer? I mean, and I know it's it's just it's a real tough thing. But what what are some of the things that you believe the way an announcer should handle a situation like that? You know, I am just glad and thankful that you know one as many races as I've called, there hasn't been a large number of accidents for as many races as as I've done. But you know, you can throw everything out the window when there's an accident out there and you know i think safety's first and if you can you know just even give a little you know heads up to the drivers about where any loose force is or you know make sure you stay to the inside or stay to the outside and if you can be just a little bit of help in keeping everybody as safe as possible um you know that to me is the first and foremost thing of what my job is at that moment in time yeah, no question about it. And that's that's tough. I that's probably the toughest part I would say of any announcer's job, but but you know, especially you know, and with you're, me. And you're you know, you're trying to still call a little bit of the race and you're trying sure. to look and make sure people are okay and you're trying to look where that the loose horses are and you know, obviously your your race call is completely suffers at that point because you just have so many other things to look for. And and the priority of things, the action up top is probably, you know, fourth or fifth on the list of, uh, you know, importance to me at that point. 
Yeah, no question about it. Well, Larry, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Best of luck to you in the voting. Another tremendous race call, the 2018 Battle of Lake Erie. Once again, you can vote at post time with MikeAndMike.com. And uh, still, hey, still a, a full week or so to, uh, or a couple of weeks to uh, get your votes in. Airs, we appreciate it, buddy. Best of luck to you. I'm sure right, we'll be talking anytime. to you. Thanks, guys. Uh-huh. All right, that was Airs Rattler. I, I don't know, I cut him off. Possibly. That's all right. Uh, yeah. you, you know what? He's so busy. I'm going to tell you, this is a guy that does so much at Northfield Park. I mean, he, he was probably working right there when he was doing that interview. He's, he's really, a, truly a jack of all trades. And, uh, you know, you had a chance to work with a Mike at Northfield. I mean, just one of the true MVPs, one of the people right. that really makes that place go round. Yeah, he, he does about 100 jobs there. Uh, he's actually working in the race office this morning. So, uh, you know, I, I give him full credit. Uh, you know, he, he's done a, he does a fantastic job, and I, I can honestly call him one of my best friends. Uh, you know, we work we worked really well together. We still work well together. Uh, you know, I get to fill in uh, about three or four times a month out there. So, uh, you know, it, it's just, you know, you build those friendships as you move on through this industry, and those are what's important. All right, we're going to take a very, very quick time out. When we come back, it's Vance Cameron, the voice of the Gold Cup and Saucer, one of my favorite events of the Harness Racing Road. Right. Post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Back in a moment. At Bet America, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the Bet America way. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain. Rehab. Rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Wow. I think we just got the last part of that race. Hold on one second. <laughs> Mike Bovich along with Mike Carter. Post time with Mike and Mike presented Post by Bet right America button, and our good Mike. friends at the USDA. Here we go. Let's listen to this. Cameron joining us on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. That call nominated for the race call of the year. Vance, I got to tell you, man, that, I mean, that, in my opinion, I don't know if there's, and it's not the richest race in the world, but I'll tell you what, man, it, it is one of Harness Racing's true, true gems, the Gold Cup and Saucer. 
Well, I like to think so, uh, Mike. I mean, I've looked forward to it for so many years now, and uh, uh, since we attracted uh, some of the, the best horses that we could ever see coming to the island, it, it just gets that much better. Now, Vance, uh, the last time we had you on the show, uh, we talked a little bit about maybe getting that sub-150 call. It seems like every year at uh, Red Shores, you get closer and closer to that 149 mark. Well, I'll tell you, this year, guys, it was a a pretty decent night to start off, temperature-wise, but by the time midnight rolled around, like, I'm sure it was down around 13 or 14 degrees, and that played... uh, Played quite a role, especially when he, he tripped the quarter 27-2. Then they've got enough stock to come the second panel in 27-1. They got a little leg weary, and leg weary isn't really the term up the backside in 28-3. and three. But to stop the clock that night in 50-4 and four was a pretty magnificent mile. Visiting with Vance Cameron. Vance, now let's go through the race a little bit. Of course, somewhere fancy, drawing off towards the end. And, uh, you know, Simon Allard doing a little showboat. Simon is one of the fun guys in the sport of harness racing. It kind of fits with the Gold Cup and sauce because that is such a fun event. But uh, obviously he did a little showboating at the end. But, uh, you know, when you get a race like this, a big race, Vance, now, and uh, different announcers will tell you different things. Do you kind of plan prepare for a couple of different scenarios do you and i don't know announcer i don't like fully scripts their call but do you have anything a couple of things maybe in the in the back pocket that uh th- that you've got prepared for a race like that or does it all just come naturally well as you guys know and ask any driver that sits in behind one behind the gate sure we have a game plan now and then but by the time they say go all that goes out the window like, uh, I thought for sure the horse that was going to the front was uh, the Brett horse, uh, a large other horse in the race, and Brad forward drove him, and he did make front. But I didn't expect uh, Rockin' in Heaven to pull off his back, you know, going to the opening quarter in 27-2. and two. So, you know, sometimes you prepare, but again, when the wings fold, it's a whole different ballgame. Vance, uh, obviously you call overnight races and you get to call a couple of stakes races uh, that you need. Um, Is there any other preparation that you do for stakes races? Do you kind of focus on some of those horses more than you do your overnight races? Or, Or is it just one of those things where you get up there and it's just business as usual? Well, as you guys also know, too, is when it comes to stake races, you can find horses that lay over the other ones in the, you know, each particular age and uh, division. So, no, for me, the preparation is uh, made the best ones get there. Vance Cameron joining us. Of course, he is the voice of Charlottetown, the voice of the uh, Gold Cup and Saucer. Vance, let me ask you this. We talked about uh, talked to different announcers about different announcer styles, and obviously – You've got a, a tremendous passion for the game that just that shows through the voice, and I think it makes it's one of the things that makes the Gold Cup and Saucer uh, unique. Um, how, as far as announcing style goes, I mean, as far as that the drama in that passion go, how one of the things that I find it great about you is the fact that you could bring this race in race out it doesn't have to be the gold cup and saucer it could just be any no overnight event is it a challenge to bring that electricity that passion that excitement to every single race um i don't think so when i started this gig 42 years ago that i tried to emulate uh, the announcer before me who was ed waters 
only I wanted to start to add, you know, some new Vance Cameron uh, cliches to the whole thing. But uh, as far as it goes, no, it's not hard. I'll tell you, it's hard at the end of old home week, guys, because you're, you're looking for vocal cords that, that are just not there. <laughs> where, did Bo- where did Boom Just Like That come from? Well, I'll tell you now. I stole it from a Frenchman at a Quebec. Uh, Danny Mond is his name. Uh, there was a wonderful racetrack in Quebec by the Montreal, formerly Blue Bonnets. But I was at a simulcast one night, and I heard it, and I said, oh, my goodness. I have to adapt that as being the English version, boom, just like that. And I went with it one day, and the people just absolutely caught on to it, guys, and I've been using it ever since. You guys get a pretty good live attendance, a pretty good live crowd, especially for the Gold Cup and Saucer. I mean, there's not an empty spot to be found. Do you feed off the crowd at all? Oh, for sure. Let me take you back to when we opened the grandstand, a new grandstand in Charlottetown all about 10 years ago. When I got up into the booth, it was a completely enclosed glass. So I have a wonderful friend in marketing at Red Shores by the name of Lee Drake. And I said to Lee, I said, you know what? I can't hear the people. I can't hear the horses. I can't hear. And that's, that's, is there anything we can do with it? So anyway, he uh, got a hold of a glass company. They come, looked at it. They said, oh, we'll have no trouble. We can get you a sliding glass where you can get out and you can hear the horses. You can hear the people. And guys, yes, I do feed off them. And, and I'll tell you what, and you can tell with the passion in your race call, it is, uh, it just, in my opinion, it's uh, it's unprecedented, unmatched anywhere. Vance, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, best of luck to you in the future. And, uh, listen, we look forward to hearing you in the Gold Cup and Saucer for many, many years to come, my friend. Guys, thanks a lot for having me on. And happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Yep, you too, Vance. Thank you. All right. And I, like I said, Mike, like we were talking a little bit about – you know, uh, before Vance came on about the two races, in my opinion, and like I say, I don't ever put the announcer above the above the the horses out there, but still, you know, the two races that I think would be missing most would be the Little Brown Jug and the Gold Cup and Saucer. Oh yeah, for sure. Those are two race calls that you 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 you're, you listen to them and they play a significant part of it. I mean, that's just how it goes. Yeah, no question about it. So once again, the voting is still open. It's going to be open for, uh, what, a couple of weeks now, right, Mike? Two more weeks. Yeah, yeah. We extended it uh, to two weeks uh, from uh, yesterday, actually. So 13 days left to go. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, who comes out on top. Uh, Our award show will be on Thursday, December 27th, regular time, 1030 in the morning. And uh, we're looking forward to it. All right. So once again, you can vote again at posttimewithmikeandmike.com. And... uh, once again, we appreciate all of our guests here as we wrap this Did thing you up. Run Mark, I'd, I'd, <laughs> no, I actually uh, the coffee uh, it got a little bit uh, on me today. I, Starbucks made it a little different today. I don't know what they did to it. I hope uh, you know I didn't leave that lady a tip last time. I hope she didn't put something a little extra well, in my probably, coffee. But anyway, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I made it up through the today. But real quick before we go, Mike, I do want to. Uh, Notice again, our friends at uh, Winback Farms, they've got some big things going on at all their farms, uh, and ex- including an update to their new stallion uh, list in uh, 2019. Boston Red Rocks, new to New York, the winner of the 2015 Dan Patch Awards for the two-year-old Pacers, and uh, is a Breeders' Crown champion in his own right. He is standing up in New York at Winback in 2019, plus 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, brand new to Pennsylvania, 
Of course, he is the sire of the second richest two-year-old Philly Pacer of 2018, zero tolerance. I, like I said, I can't wait to see what, see what she brings to the table in 2019. What a nice, nice horse that is. And uh, Aston Buchip, of course, a Dan Patch Award winner in his own right. And new to Ontario, my MVP is a proven sire of stakes winners, including Wolfgang and many others. Once again, for more information, go to winbackfarm.com. Again, that's winbackfarm.com. Mike, I don't know where this last hour and 15 minutes goes, <laughs> but uh, I better get ready. You know, we're down to, let's see, Thursday, Friday. We're down to three days in the Harris Philly. Yep, three cards. Three days left, yeah, and uh, then I get bored. Oh, that, that's a bad time. That's a bad, bad time. <laughs> look for look for wholesale changes on the website and everything coming up in this. Yeah, day. that's right. <laughs> because Mike Bozich gets bored. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us. So next Thursday, it'll be kind of a, a back-to-back. You'll be busy with uh, announcing the Ushua uh, Award winners, and that is what time and uh, where can we see that again? 12 noon, Wednesday and Thursday next week. Okay, so Wednesday, Thursday of next week, that'll be at 12 noon. So uh, maybe at noon, because I'll be probably doing the show by myself next week, maybe we could listen in to you. Well, there you go. Yeah, of course. Why not? Maybe we'll maybe we'll start the show at noon, and we'll you know we'll we'll do something like that. So there you go. Hey, maybe, maybe. All right, well, listen, everybody, we cer- we certainly appreciate it joining us. Mike, close this out, my friend. Get get rid of us. All right, we'll see everybody back here next uh, Thursday. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you back here next week. Baby